Welcome to episode six of Conversations on Modern Slavery. Conversations on Modern Slavery explores the complexity of modern slavery across the world, looking at its drivers, its manifestations, and its consequences, featuring discussions about the latest research conducted by Free the Slaves and dialogues with eminent experts and frontline practitioners. This podcast seeks to amplify public awareness and galvanize action against modern slavery, providing insights into the root causes, disclosing narratives, and pioneering solutions. Conversations on Modern Slavery is a must-listen for everyone passionate about eradicating modern slavery. Today, I'm joined by Free the Slaves Executive Director, Bukeni Waruzi, and my co-host, Dr. Marta Furlan, for a roundtable discussion to wrap up the podcast season for 2023. Bukeni? Marta, welcome to Conversations on Modern Slavery. Uh, thank you for having us. Thank you, Ryan. It's a great pleasure to be here again. So for those of you joining us today, we thought it would be nice to have a roundtable discussion uh, to kind of summarize this year, uh, both across the movement and within Free the Slaves. So we're going to talk about four key, uh, four ideas that we thought were important to discuss at the end of the year. Emerging trends across the modern slavery movement, key things that we have learned this year, either from the movement or internally here at Free the Slaves. But we'd also like to discuss some key successes that we've had this year, things that were meaningful to each of us. And then we're going to finish up the discussion with some visions for growth for 2024. Where is where is Free the Slaves going? Where is the movement headed? Uh, and what do we see as opportunities for 2024? So we're going to kick off the conversation with Bukeni Waruzi. And Bukeni is going to share some of his um, observations on emerging trends across the, the modern slavery movement and within FTS. Thank you so much for that e introduction and for introducing the, the topic in a, in a way that that is uh, very focused. Um, I, I think uh, when we talk about some emerging trends uh, from Free the Slaves' perspective, uh, some, some of them really come very obvious to our mind, and that include, for, for example, or um, uh, the buffer in the country process with the Alliance 8.7, where we have seen a, an increasing number of uh, um, government um, uh, subscribing to the process as they are keen uh, to achieve target 8.7, but also are at the same time um, uh, ready and available to be held accountable. And that is quite uh, one of the big big uh, trends that we have seen from Free Slaves' perspective. What that means? It means uh, if you look at uh, last year, we had uh, nearly 26 buffer uh, in the countries. But in 2023, there are 36 pathfinder countries. Going into 2024, we will see that growth increasing. And one of the, the major innovations that we are seeing in, in this trend is to see how pathfinder countries are ready to be held accountable. Uh, that, that is quite something very new. That, that is something very encouraging. And that makes really the framework of the alliance at, it was seven very unique, uh, uh, you know, in its kind, and we are very happy that Free the Slaves has been part of that process. Uh, that Free the Slaves has helped contribute to that kind of a, a systemic change that we are seeing, uh, you know, across the path in the country framework. So uh, that is one areas that I see uh, kind of trends coming. 
And another area where you can see is really within the model of the Alliance 827, the need to engage survivors. Uh, how to make sure that the pathway in the country framework is really inclusive of survivors' priorities. Because, you know, at, at the end of the day, uh, they are the experts. They know more than anyone. So getting their priorities, their recommendations, their uh, advice, as these countries that are part of the framework are creating or they're developing their roadmaps, it, it really becomes a a kind of a, even a major trend within the Alliance 8.7 framework besides the accountability, we can see uh, a system change uh, within the government and these big entity structures uh, that we are seeing that Fundeslaves is proud to be part of. Excellent. Thank you so much for Kenny. That's really important perspectives on the international level of anti-modern slavery work and how all of that's coming together to really create a more impactful movement towards ending modern slavery. Marta, uh, I'll turn it over to you. What emerging trends do you see? Yes, thank you, Brian. And uh, thank you, Bukhani, for setting the stage uh, so brilliantly. I think if I have to answer this question from a research perspective, then I would say that one noticeable trend is the growing interest within anti-trafficking movement for contextualized research projects that explore in depth the intersection between climate change and human trafficking. If I look back at uh, 2023, almost all the conversations that I've had with the uh, colleagues in the anti-trafficking space have referred to the intersection between climate change and human trafficking as one area where we have knowledge gaps that need to be addressed promptly. And I think that from this uh, point of view, Frida Slave's research program has done an excellent job in terms of realizing the need for more knowledge on how climate change and vulnerability to human trafficking relate to each other and investing its efforts in research projects that address this uh, harmful intersection. So if you allow me to remind the uh, brief leaders, in 2023, we published a research report on Peru that explores how illegal activities of gold mining and logging in the Amazonian region that use forced labor have been contributing to environmental degradation and have been exacerbating the effects of climate change. This in turn has destroyed livelihoods of indigenous communities and has exposed them to the risk of trafficking. Also in 2023, we published research on the Philippines that explored how rapid onset events related to climate change have been creating a series of multidimensional vulnerabilities that expose local communities to the risk of being exploited. So I think that uh, research on climate change and human trafficking is certainly a growing trend in the anti-trafficking sector. One trend that Frida Slaves has promptly recognized and one on which we will continue to focus during the year ahead and on which we will continue to partner with other organizations, other researchers from across the anti-trafficking space to deepen our knowledge on this uh, important intersection. Thank you, Marta. That's a very helpful look at our, at our research focus and it's a nice review of what's happening across the movement in terms of interest for climate change and human trafficking. From my perspective, the first emerging trend that I think I've been seeing is the impact of technology. Uh, technology and communications technology in particular is playing a larger and larger role in human trafficking and modern slavery. The same social media platforms that organizations like Free the Slaves use to raise awareness and engage with donors are being used as platforms for recruiting and enticing victims into exploitive jobs. 
The advancement of AI and targeting algorithms for advertisements are more and more effective at getting the right messages in front of the right people who are vulnerable and searching for any opportunity to improve their lives. This technology is also being used by traffickers who use the labor of people they traffic into scamming compounds to commit financial fraud crimes. The low cost of high-quality communications technology makes the scamming messages more believable and more effective. The second trend related to communications technology is the amplification of public and social polarization, resulting in increased levels of armed conflict around the world that displaces millions of people and enhances their vulnerability to modern slavery. As social media and even some traditional media sources increasingly show the audience content that aligns with their beliefs, values, and biases, it increases the potential for conflict and marginalization of outgroups or groups who do not fit the mold of the majority. The resulting exclusion and reduction in opportunities for groups who are perceived to be less valuable or a threat to the majority has the power to increase conflict and vulnerability to slavery. Next, we're going to turn to key learnings from the last year. Uh, Bukeni, can you share with us some things that you've learned this year? Well, I think, uh, yeah, th 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 thank you, Brian. Um, I think there are many things that we have learned as organization and as part of the movement. I mean, there is no necessarily an exhaustive list, but some of the key learnings that we have seen so far include really how uh, we have learned about uh, survivor in engagement in many ways. Uh, that has been quite something that was really eye-opening and seeing how um, uh, uh, really uh, through the forum uh, we have uh, brought um, uh, so many uh, survivors from across the world and really try to create that space where they can learn and and really uh, help the movement at, uh, you know, kind of being more effective and also more impactful. Uh, that is one area that I think, uh, you know, was very critical and was really missing uh, really across the board. Uh, you know, the other key learning is really in terms of, of funding. As you know, uh, the movement is really very underfunded. Uh, that's one of the major problems that I think uh, we have learned so far and how really uh, people or organizations are doing a lot with very, with very reduced or very limited resources across the you know across the board. So um, uh, this is for, for me really uh, these kind of learnings are really a game changer for me. So if we are able or, to see that in the lens of opportunity and really making try to make our our way in a way that is cohesive, uh, you know, I think these learnings can serve as a model and how we can improve it better in the future. Excellent. Thank you for, for sharing that. Marta, what have you learned this year? Yes, thank you, Brian. So uh, when it comes to key learning, I think there are two considerations that I would like to add to this uh, conversation that uh, Bukeni just started. And again, I'm taking this from a research perspective. So I would say that one key learning that we have uh, internalized while working on research projects in the field is the importance of involving relevant stakeholders throughout the entire research project. It means data collection, data analysis, formulation of recommendations, and research dissemination. And when I say relevant stakeholders, I'm referring to government officials directly involved in the fight against human trafficking and the protection of human rights, 
UN agencies based in the country where the research is being conducted, and CSOs engage in the fight against human trafficking or in the protection of children's, women's, workers' rights. I think we learned that this kind of engagement of local stakeholders is very important to create more interest and ownership towards the research findings. Ultimately, this engagement from the earliest stages of the research process also holds the potential of facilitating the research to action process. That is the process by which we aim to turn our research informed and the evidence-based recommendations into concrete anti-trafficking programs, policies, and initiatives. Then a second learning that uh, came from our research projects and more specifically from the research reports that we wrote and the research dissemination events that we hold is the importance of quoting the people with whom we talk during our research. Now, this might seem a very obvious point, but it is not. It doesn't always happen that uh, research manages to bring to the fore the voices, the perspective, the thoughts of those people and communities that are at the center of our research. And I think that over the last year, we have learned that this is of great importance and that it is an integral component of our commitment through the slaves to do research that gives a voice to the vulnerable people and communities. Thank you, Marta, for, for sharing those observations from our research program. From my perspective in communications, and based on my observation of audience interaction across our social media channels, our newsletters, and our website traffic, I'm seeing that people are really interested in where they can find reliable information about modern slavery. Informational posts on social media, educational email newsletters, and webinars that we've done this year have all really created increases in engagement from both actors inside the movement and from the general public. So accurate, reliable information that can be acted on seems to be what people are interested in consuming. Now we can turn to some success stories from the last year, things that were meaningful to each of us uh, as we've kind of worked through 2023 here at Free the Slaves. Uh, Bukhani, I'm going to turn it back over to you. What has been meaningful to you this year? Before I go, maybe I'll pass on to Martha to say a few things and then come back to me if you don't mind. Sure. Of course. Um, so I think that uh, it's hard to pick one success story, but uh, definitely one of the biggest success of our research program last year was the research, which is not yet published, so stay tuned for uh, this, on survivor engagement in the East and Central Africa. I look at this project as a success story because of the active, multifaceted and continuous participation of survivors throughout the research. So on the one hand, survivors contributed as researchers. They underwent training in qualitative research skills and they participated in conducting the interviews, analyzing the data, identifying key findings and developing recommendations. On the other hand, survivors also contributed as respondents sharing their personal experiences, insights, and perceptions on the topic of survivor engagement practices. Then confirming the central and active role that survivors played in this research project, last September, a full-day research validation workshop was organized by Frida Slaves and our research partner, Hart Kenya, in Nairobi. The workshop brought together most of the survivors who had participated in the research, either as research assistants or interviewees, to provide them with a platform to voice their thoughts and priorities before the publication of the final research report. During the workshop, the survivor researchers presented the findings and the recommendations to the other participants. 
they raised questions and concerns and facilitated meaningful group discussions. Now, I think that this research was very important for us as an organization in two ways. On the one hand, in terms of good practices of survivor engagement. On the other hand, in terms of good practices of participatory research. So I think that it was a success story on multiple levels. Yeah, there are quite a lot of success stories at Free the Slaves. I think both from our advocacy impact perspective to uh, key engagement and also uh, some key projects that were really uh, kind of helped to contribute. One of them being the fact that so far our Senegal project, we were able to help free uh, more than 100 victims of severe sex trafficking. So that is a huge success that I think you know, as we are able to help save lives, uh, that is really an indicative of what free space is. Um, uh, but also, uh, one of the things that I also realized is that really this year is the year where the accountability framework was ad adopted at the Alliance 8.7. That's a major system change success uh, that we are able to impact, uh, you know, government, but also working with, with them. And then even three, I think, you know, um, and then even if you look at what we did with survivor uh, engagement, these are, you know, really through the Alliance 8.7, try to make sure that the roadmaps are inclusive of survivor as priority that was big. But also, you know, you know, in terms of how the Freedom from Slavery Forum has become, uh, being one of the, the largest space in the movement that is more inclusive, uh, but also more than diverse where the democratic principles are held and are really up, are upheld and really bring it to, to together the government as uh, you know the survivors civil society uh, and the unions to come together uh, to really define key and effective approaches to eradicating more than slavery I think this has been you know one of the major success to see what the forum has become um, uh, also looking at the key partnerships uh, that we have created uh, throughout the, the world. Uh, these are really success stories that we are seeing uh, here and there. Uh, even if I go back to the study forum itself, to you know, to today, thanks to the forum, we have the Survival Leadership Academy, which is a tremendous uh, initiative that was born out of uh, the regional freedom from slavery forums. So, you know, the coalitions that have been created. Uh, in many places, in, thanks to the to these forums. So we are seeing really, really um, a, a, a number of success stories uh, that I think we can point to. And thanks to the team that has been that has been doing tremendous job, and also our allies and partners. Uh, so things have been really very much impactful, and that is what I think for the slave stands for. Excellent. Thank you so much for highlighting all of those really important outcomes that we've had this year. Uh, for me, I was, I'd like to stick within the communications framework, and I wanted to share a little bit about our success with traditional media outlets, specifically uh, in the Caribbean region. Our advocacy and movement building manager in Trinidad and Tobago, Adrian Alexander, has become a regular contributor for traditional media outlets. Uh, like television, radio, and newspapers over the last year. He has created opportunities to provide expert commentary and analysis on human trafficking and modern slavery issues, 
not just for Trinidad and Tobago, but for the wider Caribbean region as well. While it is difficult to track the reach and the effect of traditional media, it is essential to ensure that media outlets have reliable, reliable access to experts with evidence-based perspectives to ensure that the correct narratives are actually reaching the public. So with that, summarization of our success stories for this year, um, we're going to turn to Visions for Growth for 2024. Bukeni, Marta, one of you, would, would you like to go first? Yeah, I can try to, to kind of shed some light on that. Um, I think even though we have highlighted some of the trajectory, um, some of the trend, uh, both outside and inside is free, free the slaves. And uh, I could even add uh, the fact that free the slaves is continuing to put it in print at local level or by being by becoming a local organization in country where we, where we work uh, or through the registrations. Uh, this is something that I think uh, we keep uh, continuing, uh, but also I'm also reminded that sometimes we do a lot with very limited resources, but that's what the NGO world is. So to continue fighting the conditions that allow more than slavery to strive, our re research, our art advocacy, our partnership, and also our movement building portfolio, I think these will be key to get us to the successes that we need go, going forward. I'll let my colleague Mawakta come in first and then I'll come back. Thank you, Bukeni. Well, so if I can jump in with some considerations from a research perspective in the terms of growth, I think three points are worth mentioning. First, our research program will keep expanding, including new countries and regions and investigating new topics. In this regard, I can uh, briefly anticipate that our research projects in uh, 2024 will be on Nepal, Ethiopia and the Caribbean region, and that some of the topics of interest for us will be child domestic labor, the nexus between climate change, migration, displacement and human trafficking, and the use of digital technologies in the trafficking space. Second, we will continue to make more and better use of participatory methodologies that aim to include communities and individuals that are at the center of our research as active producers of knowledge. So participatory uh, research seeks to support local communities to understand how certain issues are affected, affected them and how can these challenges be addressed in a locally led, effective and sustainable way. So in this way, participatory methodologies also fulfill an emancipatory function in that they allow local communities to take control of the knowledge production. Third, we will employ more diversified tools to ensure that our research is impactful. Some of those were already piloted this year, but we will continue to expand on them during next year. For instance, a couple of months ago, we launched the Freedom Slaves podcast, Conversations on Mother Slavery, which is a platform where, among other many discussions, we do disseminate our research findings and we discuss our research-informed recommendations. Other tools that we will be using to disseminate research are the notes from the field video series in which we aim to share certain considerations and reflections in a video format while in the field doing research. Similarly, we will be using digital stories that bring to the fore the voices of research participants. Something along this line was piloted last September in Nairobi with some of the survivors that participated in the Survivors Leadership Academy and I think it was a very interesting and uh, excellent experiment that gave us uh, some indications of where we want to move next. 
because yeah, thank you so much for waiting more on the research side. So uh, specifically on the advocacy side, I think that will be one of the biggest area area of growth for free slaves as we see more and more and more demand from buffer in the countries. You know, the ability that we have to develop to support the increasing number of buffer in the countries as they, they develop and implement their roadmap, but also at the same time holding them accountable. So that will be really uh, quite a huge challenge for us, but also at the same time, a huge opportunity for free the slaves. Uh, that includes uh, making sure that these roadmaps are inclusive of uh, survival recommendations, uh, but also supporting countries uh, live up to their commitment um, as they enlist into the framework. So that is really going to be uh, quite a lot. Today we are talking about 36 countries, uh, but free the slave will not be able to support all the 36 countries, but we will be really very keen and diligent uh, to support a number of pathfinder countries and then set a model of how a multi-stakeholder, high-level or framework can, can work to de deliver on the target 8.7 of the sustainable the development goals. Um, another area within the advocacy will be our engagement with these high-level stakeholders, and that, that includes the United Nations Security Council. Uh, I think this is one of the uh, ambitious pro projects that we are we are really em em embarking in, and really. Uh, we think there is an opportunity here to get on the momentum uh, that we continue create you really creating at this high level or, or stakeholder framework uh, where we want to engage this critical council to act. That is something that we will, really will be engaging. But also other areas as we look into this where we think we can do more is on the partnerships. Uh, I think for the slaves being an organization that relies on local partners uh, to de deliver as we strengthen their capacity, but also provide uh, the support they need to help fight more than slavery in local communities. This will be something that really we're gonna emphasize much uh, in order how we do support these local partners uh, uh, to the move. Right now we have hundreds of partners and that number also will keep growing uh, around the world, both from, you know, from Asia, both South and also Southeast, in Latin America, in Africa, in the Middle East, and also in North America as well. So there are really so many areas where we're going to focus on, both from the research uh, to advocacy, to partnerships, but also the most important as well is how we continue increasing the number that of people that without freed from slavery. Uh, we have seen a very success story from Senegal. Uh, how then we will really continue growing that portfolio or that pro program as we continue freeing people trapped in modern slavery. So those are kind of, you know, kind of a general, um, but also specific areas that I think they are free the slave going to do more. But also, this is also an opportunity to make a call. And the call is, if we need to sustain this model, to sustain this work, work of what that we do, there is need for more resources. We have a tremendous team uh, of very smart people, very capable people, uh, working hard, very committed to deliver on this. So it is something that really we are trying hard to make sure that really we can deliver uh, with the limited resources that we have, but we need more, more resources in order for us to do more.
thank you, McKinney, for that that overview of the different areas where we're going to try and expand this year. I think it's it's quite a lot. And even from an internal perspective, as someone who works here, it's impressive to see how many different areas we're really trying to expand in in the coming year. For me, I'm going to kind of add on to what Marta said as Marta was talking about a few different uh, communications initiatives that are happening with the research program. In the communications section, we are also trying to expand uh, it's in different mediums and different platforms to figure out where we can share different educational and advocacy information uh, to help strengthen the movement. And then also, as Bukini said, all of this work takes funding. So we're also looking for different ways, different methods to reach people interested in funding anti-drafting and anti-slavery work so that we can strengthen our programs and our processes as well. We're hoping to launch our first online course next year, as well as expand our traditional media efforts and possibly develop some communication strategy training that can be delivered to partners and stakeholders uh, in different parts of the movement. And I'm also hoping to provide support for a survivor-led documentary media project that has emerged as a potential opportunity through the survivor networks that Free the Slaves supports in East and Central Africa. So as we've kind of concluded the visions for growth section, uh, Marta Bukeni, do you have anything else that you'd like to talk about before we end this episode? Yeah, maybe, maybe I'll let Marta go first. I think uh, to conclude, I just uh, want to say that I think uh, Free the Slaves research program has been uh, growing immensely over the past uh, few years. It has a uh, produced some very interesting and uh, inspiring research projects. People that I've been talking with across the movement keep telling me that they find uh, the reports that we release very informative and that they're filling some knowledge gaps. So I just uh, want to share that uh, I think uh, this is very encouraging and that I'm very committed to work together with uh, my colleagues at Frida's Lace to make sure that this positive trend continues and uh, grows more and more over the next few years. Yeah, I mean, one one last thing that I want to add also is that, you know, as we have seen, um, uh, there are quite a lot of things that Free the Slave has been able to do. Expanding in the region has been one of the most gratifying things that we have seen, you know, really across the board. Now we have, we are almost everywhere. Um, uh, and really uh, to have a talented team that has, uh, that is strong in terms of local expertise. Uh, and really relying on them and really making sure that we engage survivors in a way that, that is effective enough to help, you know, to really help eradicate more modern slavery. Also having the invaluable support of our board, having uh, them really uh, try to give us the support we need, but also the guidance that are necessary uh, to make sure that we can de deliver uh, proper programs. So those, those are kind of things that really uh, help us uh, keep doing the work we are doing with determination and courage. But most importantly, because we are saving lives. Uh, so I think uh, as we continue expanding in countries and regions, uh, as we continue ensuring that our strategic plan is effectively implemented, making you know also making sure that. Um, uh, the team is taken care of in a way that can help them uh, deliver effectively. So all of that really comes down to uh, how we can provide uh, for this program or for, for, or, or for this work. Um, uh, 
so I think, you know, uh, there are many things that will happen. Uh, this year, we did a huge milestone with uh, the impact that you can see from freeing people to changing the systems. And next year now, it would be another key challenge. So uh, people should stay tuned. Uh, we always do big things at Free the Slaves. This will be the case again uh, for next year, 2024. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really very excited uh, with next year um, as I look forward to contributing to achieving big things uh, that will help really make an impact in the fight against more than slavery. We are only one entity, one organization, but I think our contribution is very meaningful. And I hope uh, that trend is going to continue over the next year as we try to end the conditions that allow modern slavery to persist. Thank you both so much, Marta Bukeni, for all your wisdom and insight as we've kind of covered a variety of topics for this episode. I don't have anything further to add, so I'll just wrap up by saying that if you would like to find out more about Free the Slaves' work, you can find out more on our website at freetheslaves.net. You can also follow us on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, uh, Twitter, or X, whatever we're calling it these days. All of those platforms were active and available. Uh, if you are interested in, in any aspect of our work that you've heard about, our research, our our programs around the world, our communications efforts, please reach out to us through our website. We'd be happy to talk to you about any of these things in depth uh, and connect with you further. And in terms of this podcast, if you haven't already, subscribe on your favorite platform. We're available on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, and on YouTube as well. So for this year, for 2023, we'll say thank you for following along and listening to us. And we will return next year with more episodes on topics around modern slavery. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you.